Last week was Easter Sunday. How many of you had a great Easter? This is Interactive Church. Yes. Easter was great. I enjoyed my family. I ate some ham. I don't know what you eat as tradition. I ate a lot of ham. In fact, if I ate so much ham, I felt a little guilty. So I'm going to stand right behind this pulpit and kind of tip it down a little bit. But, uh, um, but it was a great, great service. I, uh, I was in Club 252. I listened online, and Pastor Ben did an absolute amazing job bringing the word. Um, he brought a, a, great, a great word. He talked about, uh, you know, moments when you feel like you just want to turn back time, didn't he? You know, moments where you said or did something that you wish you hadn't done, that you, uh, you wish you could get those moments back, and you're like, oh, Lord, help me. I need to get those moments back. And he talked about how on either side of Jesus at the time of his crucifixion, there were two men also being crucified, and how one chose to recognize that Jesus was getting an unjust, undeserved punishment, and the other one says, hey, you know, he, you know why, why is he there? And Jesus looked at the one who, who recognized who Jesus was and says, you know what, although the, your clock, your past history has been, been a rough and rowdy past, I am going to forgive you. He looked at him and says, you know what, tonight you will dine with me in heaven. That, that he actually took that clock, that clock that sometimes we wish we could turn back, and erased it. Not only did he turn it back, but, but he covered those sins through his grace. Isn't Jesus good? Jesus is so good, and today we are also going to be talking about the clock today and how sometimes for some of us, it not only we want to turn it backward, it just seems like it's just stuck in one place, that the minute hand just keeps going like this, and it doesn't seem to move, and we're caught in this great period of waiting. Have you guys ever been stuck in a moment where you are waiting on the Lord, waiting for an answer, and it seems like it has been an eternity? Waiting on a miracle, waiting on a job to come through, waiting for a promise, waiting. Today we're going to talk about what to do in those moments when you find yourself waiting, when you find yourself just desperate, saying, God, are you there? Are you listening? Lord, I need you. In those moments, it is important how we act. Don't you know that? It is important how we act in those moments. So today we're going to look at that. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 1. If you have your Bible, go ahead and flip there. If not, it, it should be up on the screen behind me. Uh, we're going to look at, look at this, and we're going to talk about some important things today. I believe God has a powerful message, and he chose to use me as his servant this morning to bring that word. And so I want to read the scripture with you, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. What, you can follow along with me. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to his apostles he had chosen. After suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He had appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up to heaven. 
taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking up intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? The same Jesus who had been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you today. God, with open hearts, expectant hearts, God, asking you to impart something in us today. God, I pray that this message just come alive and be applicable for every person, including myself in this room. God, that you would do a great work, Father God, and we just give you all the praise and all the glory. God, with our eyes fixed solely upon you, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen and amen. This morning, we're going to be talking about waiting. How many of you have ever been there? Been there, it seemed waiting. If you haven't yet, hang on, because I believe that at some point in your life, you will find yourself waiting, waiting on the Lord, wondering what to do, wondering You know, why haven't I seen this come through? What in the world is going on? This is a feeling that the disciples knew all too well. They knew it in in, uh, Jesus. He He had come, he had died, he had rose again, and he's appearing to his disciples. And what was the command that he gave them? He said that he wants them to wait. He wanted them to wait. That's a rough place to be. And I want you to consider with me for a moment just what an emotional time it had been for the disciples in this in this time, you know, they, they had been with Jesus. Jesus had called them. They had walked with him for, for three years as Jesus did his ministry. And imagine what it must have been like to see the Son of God, the Messiah, uh, your leader, someone whom you love, die a brutal death. Witness him being arrested and put on trial and have nails pounded into his hand and watch the, the life leave his body at the, at the, on the cross. Watch him take his lifeless body down and wrap it in linen. Imagine what it must have been like for the disciples to see them wrap him in cloth and place him into the tomb and have the tomb shut. Imagine what it would have been like waiting for three days for something to happen. Waiting in fear, wondering if you, your time was next. Waiting to wonder, this, this man, the Messiah, he, he promised to come and to, and to save everyone. He came and he died. And now look, I'm in a locked door, a locked room with my friends, confused and hurt, scared and wondering what's next for me. What's next? Imagine what that must have been like. They were going through this, this very low time. And after this low time, Jesus appeared to them. They heard uh, that Jesus had, was not in his tomb, so they ran to see what had happened. They ran out and saw the empty tomb. Angels appeared to them. And then they saw Jesus. Jesus appeared to them. And he says, you know what? I'm risen. I'm alive. And imagine, so they come off of this really low point. Now they're up on this really high time. And then Jesus said, I want you to wait. Hadn't the the disciples waited? Hadn't they already been waiting? It must have been a really hard time for them. But there are many examples in the Bible where people had to wait for the promise of God, isn't there? If you look over the Word, you see many, many examples of people waiting. Let's, Let's talk about Joseph for a minute, how Joseph had a dream at a young age. Joseph had a dream that that he would one day be royalty and his family would bow down to him. That God was going to use him in a special way, but yet that miracle, that manifestation of the promise did not occur until many, many years later. I have to imagine in those moments that Joseph probably questioned, maybe I shouldn't have shared that with my brothers. (laughs) Maybe I got that wrong. Maybe I had too much pizza that night. 
you know, the, the time for when that promise was given until the manifestation was a great and long time. And sometimes we find that. Sometimes we get this great promise or we read God's word, and it says that by his stripes that we are healed. It says that God will never leave us or forsake us. It said he's going to give us our daily bread, but yet we are stuck waiting for that promise to come true. There is, there is countless examples in the Bible, and Joseph, he went through some hard times. He got thrown in a well and left for dead, sold into slavery, and then unjustly accused by the slave owner's wife. He was thrown into prison where he befriended some uh, all the inmates, and he began speaking to them and interpreting their dreams. And uh, they promised him that they'd remember him, but yet they forgot to remember him until one day Pharaoh had a dream, and Joseph was brought before him to interpret that dream. That's a lot of waiting and a lot of hardship, wouldn't you agree? But God is faithful. And God did end up restoring Joseph to the very place that he had promised he would bring him in the beginning. But in the meantime, there's a waiting period. Let's talk about Moses for a minute. Moses and the Israelites, God had promised that he was going to bring the Israelites into their land and give them the promised land. But yet they chose to wait the wrong way. They chose to wait in a manner that was not pleasing to God, not like Joseph. And they found themselves wandering around in the desert. That an entire generation was lost, including Moses, that he did not get to enter the promised land. But Joshua, his successor, brought them in. There was a great time of waiting. And the manner in which we wait matters. The manner in which we wait matters. It has, has an effect on you. We need to remember that God is faithful. Let's talk about the, the, the Israelite, the Jewish people, waiting for the Messiah, the promised Messiah that a man uh, promised through the prophets was going to come and restore God's kingdom on earth. They waited a long time for the Messiah, and now Jesus comes and says, I am that man you have been waiting for. I am the Messiah. I'm the one the prophets spoke about. And Jesus came, and he died. And then he rose again. The disciples, if you, if you could agree with me, were, it, were in a, a rough place. And they seen Jesus, and they were excited, and they were confused. And Jesus says, you know what? I want you to go and love my people, but first you need to wait. Wait a little longer. Wait a little more. And I'm sure that must have been um, confusing and frustrating for the disciples. It was particularly hard for them. And I like the, the, uh, the story in John. If you want to turn with me in your, your Bibles to John 21. John 21. This is uh, over that period of 40 days that, that Acts was talking about, that Jesus had appeared to his disciples. He was always instructing them, always teaching them, always commissioning them for a great work. And during that time, uh, Jesus uh, would appear to them. This is one of those instances, and the disciples were kind of in this place where they didn't know what to do. And so look with me in John 21, it says this. It says, after Jesus had appeared to them afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went and got into the boat, but that night... They caught nothing. And I like this story for a few reasons. One is that I see the disciples not knowing what to do. They had no idea. They were, they were 
confused. They were scared. They didn't know what to do. And so Peter did the only thing that he knew what to do. The only thing that he knew, something that he was comfortable with. He says, I'm going to go fishing. Went back to the beginning. I'm not saying that he was going to make a lifestyle out of it, but in his moments, he didn't know what to do. So what did he do? He clung to the familiar. He went out and, and went back to doing the very thing that he was doing before Jesus entered his life and called him to be an apostle, to come and to follow him. He went back to fishing. He clung to what was comfortable, what was familiar. And for him, that was the sea. Just imagine the smell of the sea air in his nose. The sound of the waves crashing on shore. The sound of seagulls cawing in the background. The feeling of the boat rocking him gently back and forth. The feel of, of working hard, using his hands in the, the wet net in his hands covered with salt water. That was familiar. That's what he knew. That's how he had gone up, and he did not know what to do. So he says, I'm going fishing. And the rest of the disciples says, we're going to join you. And we all do that, don't we? That in times of waiting, in times of distress, we revert back to what is comfortable to us. We, we cling to a person or a smell or a place. And God forbid, sometimes in times of waiting, we go back to our old lives, don't we? We go back doing to what we do before Jesus was there because we don't know what else to do. But thank God that Jesus loves us enough to come and to rescue us from that. Because like the disciples found, like Peter found that the thing that was once so comfortable and brought him comfort left him wanting. They fished all night and caught nothing. Unfulfilled. Tired. They fished all night and at daybreak the sun was coming up. I'm sure he was like, I went fishing. This is not helping. What do I do? And thank God that Jesus showed up in that moment. And if you know this story, he called to them from shore and says, hey, cast your net over on the other side. And then they caught this great load of fish. And I think that's significant because it promises it was a foreshadowing of the great catch, the great work, the great harvest that Jesus was about to commission them to do, that he was about to get. It reminded them of another time where Jesus had came to them in a similar way and helped them to recognize who he was. At that moment, Peter was like, it's Jesus. John actually looked at Peter and says, you know, it's Jesus. Peter was like, yes, and dove out of the boat and swam to shore. And it was at this great time that Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord. And he says, feed my sheep. And he spoke to him again and said, Peter, do you care for me? Do you love me? He says, yes, Lord. Yes, I care you. He says, then feed my lambs. And again, Jesus asked him a third time and says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes. Yes, I love you, he says, and feed my sheep. And in those moments, Peter was reminded of the three times that he had denied Christ. And three times Jesus commissioned him to do the work anyway. That in those moments that God came and showed up and rescued him and says, you know what, all that is forgiven. I love you. I forgive you. Now do my work that I have called you to do. See, we sometimes like to cling to our old life, but I'm telling you that that has been gone away. It is covered, and God has a new call on your life, a new beginning, that all those things, even if it was yesterday, that those things, because of what Jesus did on the cross, are gone. And God has a tremendous call and a plan on your life, something for you to walk through. And I believe that if you go to God and you, you do the right kind of waiting, he's going to use you to do amazing things. He's going to use you for something amazing. Don't go back to your old life. 
We're going to talk about four things that, that are the right kind of waiting. Because there's the wrong kind of waiting as the Israelites did. Complaining, worshiping false idols, looking for answers in the wrong places. And then there's a right kind of waiting like, like the disciples. There's a right kind of waiting like Joseph. And so I want to talk about four things to do when you find yourself waiting on God. And you don't know what to do. You feel desperate. You've been crying out to him. I want to talk about four things you can do in those moments that are going to help you. So let's jump into them. The first thing to do when you find yourself waiting is to be still and pray. Be still and pray. Such a simple, simple instruction, isn't it? But yet it is so profound. And I love kingdom principles because kingdom principles don't seem to make any sense at all in the natural, do they? Like, hey, if you need money, if you need God's provision in your life, what do you need to do? You need to give, and you need to plant some seeds. The world would look at you and tell you, hey, that makes no sense. You need to save and scrounge and scrap. But no, God says, put me first in the give, and I will make your storehouses running over. That is a kingdom principle that seems to make no sense in the natural. People could look at you and tell you you are foolish, that when you're about to declare bankruptcy, taking that last $5 that you have and putting it in off your offering plate, saying, Lord, I give this to you, I give it to you, believing that he's going to come through. That's a kingdom principle. What about leading? If you want to be a great leader, what must you do? You must become a follower. So you don't try to jockey and, and put your place in a position where you've got that top spot. No. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus do? He came not to be served but to serve and take the lowliest position, and God will raise you from there and, and make you a great leader. Kingdom principles in the natural. And be still and pray is one of those principles, one of those times where you feel like, man, I, I don't know what to do. I, I know for me, I want to do things. I want to do something. I want to make something happen. I, it is hard for me to sit around and be still. It is. And I know you guys know I want to I work hard and, and make it happen. But God says, no, Pete. And he's saying to you, no, you need to be still and pray. You know, I read, uh, I read a story on the Internet this week about a grandma who had her grandson over uh, over to spend a, a couple days with her. And uh, he, he was going through the closet and he found an old kite. And he pulled this old kite out and uh, he had been running his grandma ragged. How many of you can relate? They say, yep, they do that, those kids. And uh, he had been running his grandma ragged and he pulls out this old kite and he, he got really excited. And he says, Grandma, Grandma, I want to go outside. I want to fly this kite. And his grandma's like, boy. And she walked over the window and kind of looked outside and says, Man, uh, Timmy, it's not very windy out, and, you know, it would be really hard to fly that kite. But, oh, Timmy says, not to be defeated. Timmy was like, oh, no, 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 I can do this. I can do this. So he takes that kite, and he starts running like this as fast as his little legs can carry him. And that little kite starts getting up about shoulder level. And every time he stops, that kite just falls to the ground. And Timmy catches his breath. And then he starts running again trying to fly that kite. And he's running, he's running. The kite would get about this high up off the ground. And then he'd stop, and it'd flutter down. And he kept on. Uh, from, from after breakfast until lunch with this, until he came in. <sighs> Grandma, Grandma, she says, how'd it go, little Timmy? Timmy says, well, I got to fly a little bit, but I think I better wait for the wind. And he took that kite and put it in the closet. And the Lord spoke and says, you know what? Sometimes we're just like little Timmy. 
Sometimes we take that kite out, the promise that I has given you, the promise of a good time, and we take it and we just try to make it happen, man. We're going to run for all it's worth to get that kite to fly when what we need to do is to wait for the wind. Wait for the wind. Don't go out ahead of God because we can do a little bit. But with God, we can do a lot. See, if little Timmy waited for the next day when, when it had great winds, he could have just sat there. It's letting the light out. That kite's up there soaring, isn't it? And yet all little Timmy do has to do is hold on to the string. That's it. That's all he's got to do. Wait for the wind. And I believe that you need to be still before the Lord. Psalm 46.10, familiar verse. If you know it, you can go ahead and say it. It says what? Be still. And know that I am God. Don't throw yourself into worry. Don't, don't just start, oh, it's terrible. Oh, you know, don't throw yourself into worry, but get into a quiet place. Lock yourself in a room when you are desperate for the Lord and be still before him and pray and know that God is there, that God is good, that his promises are yes and amen. Be still. Don't throw yourself into worry. And then the next part of that was pray. Pray for wisdom. The Bible tells us to be anxious for nothing but what? Pray about everything. In your life, when you find yourself waiting, pray about it. Pray about everything. Pray that his answer will become clear. Because I tell you this, sometimes in your, in your moment of waiting, God has already provided his answer. That his answer could be right before you, but it's not the one that you want. So you don't recognize it. You don't see it. You need to pray and ask God to give you wisdom and discernment that, that he may have already given you the answer. Acts 1.6 in the text we read earlier, did you guys catch that Jesus was giving them the instruction? He says, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, which you've heard me talk about. And what was the next question that the disciples asked him? They said, they said this, they said, they, they gathered around the Lord and said, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They had missed it. That the answer the Lord had promised has already been provided. But in their mind, they were so ingrained. The Jewish people were so looking and hoping for the Messiah to come and free them from Roman oppression, establish an earthly kingdom that God had never promised to give them. That they begged and pleaded the Lord to give them a king, even for the first king, King Solomon, they, they begged him for the king. He says, I warn you about the troubles that a king could, could bring upon you. But yet he gave them a king to govern them because they no longer wanted the Lord. And they so desperately had been waiting that whole time for the Messiah with the thought that he was going to come and restore the Jewish kingdom. But the answer that God gave them wasn't that, was it? It was a forgiveness of their sins and a promise of eternal life that one day Jesus would come and we would all be joint heirs with God, that we would all be sons and daughters of the king. That was the promise that had been answered. It was right in front of them, and the disciples, they missed it. They missed it in their waiting because the answer provided wasn't the one they expected. And so when you're being still before the Lord and you're praying, ask yourself, am I missing the answer that's already there? Because sometimes God's answer requires hard work and faithfulness, doesn't it? Requires some action. And that's not the answer. We all want the quick fix miracle. And God works miracles. Don't mistake me. But it is not often the norm, the normal way he answers your prayers. A lot of the times it takes hard work 
in faithfulness and a little effort, doesn't it? Don't miss out. And so that's point number one is be still and pray. Don't miss what God is doing. Ask God to give you wisdom, that he's going to give you that answer, that direction, that next step. And once you feel like God has given you that in your waiting, the next step, once you feel like the Lord is with you and you kind of have that peace, once you have that, there's something you need to do. Everybody take your finger and point it up in the air and point it right back at yourself. There's something you need to do, and it's expect and prepare. We already talked about the different kinds of waiting. That sometimes when the promise is given and the physical manifestation is not here yet, we still need to have faith-filled action behind our faith. You see, Paul talked about our faith without works being dead. That if you're not acting on what you believe, that you probably don't really believe it in your heart. It's a great idea. It's a neat thing to think about. But if we're not acting out our faith, we don't really, I don't believe you really have faith. If we're not living for Jesus, if you're not sold out, if you're not putting his ways into practice, are you really, do you really believe that he is God, that he sits on the throne in heaven, that he is our source? Because I believe if you really thought that way, you would act that way. You would act it. It would be evident. You know, I could tell Bobby I love him all the time, but if every time I see him, I put a kick me sign on his back and slapped him, would you believe that I really love Bobby? No, because my actions say otherwise, right? Our actions should line up with our beliefs. And we need to have active faith. So when you get a promise from the Lord, act as if it is already happening. Act if it's already going on right now in your life. We have to have active faith. Everybody say that with me. Say active faith. If you're believing for a car, are you just going to sit around and wait for it to appear in your driveway? You're believing that God's going to provide you with a vehicle. So let's just sit around and see when it pulls up. Someone toss you the keys and the title. No, you got to save some money. You got to actively prepare for God's work. You have a role. And sometimes we miss that. So if you're acting, if you're waiting for a house, if you're homeless and you need something, you're not going to just sit on the corner and do nothing. You're going to go and you're going to apply. You're going to go and you're going to look at places. You're going to prepare, right? So when the moment comes, when God's provision comes, you are ready. You are ready to go. Because if you sit on your duff, you're going to miss it. So when you're waiting, actively wait. Actively wait. Which brings us to my third point. My third point is remain and this is where we all go so wrong so many times, is remain faithful. Because in times of waiting, we think God has abandoned us. We think he doesn't care. We think he's not there. We think that he has waited so long that he's not going to answer his promise. That's what the Israelites thought. They thought, man, we had it better in, in Egypt. They failed to remain faithful in their time of waiting. You see, sometimes I believe that God withholds his answer, his promise sometimes to reveal to us what we're made of. Because sometimes we think that we're super Christian. Sometimes we think that we got it all figured out. But when it comes times in waiting, we act like that five-year-old kid who doesn't get his way. Stomping. I want it. My daughter had a problem with that for a little while. She would, she would, I would tell her no, and she said, I don't want it. I don't want it. 
Um, thank God she's over that now. But you know what? Sometimes we're like that with God. I want my answer now. I need it. God, help me. And we, we, we fail to remain faithful. Fail to remain faithful. Like the Israelites. There are two enemies to faithfulness, and that's impatience. It's impatience and anxiousness. And we need to fight them both. We, we don't want to give in to that. You see, sometimes we want the promise right now. We want it right now. We want it when we want it. But Jesus even told his disciples after they asked that question, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? Are you going to do it right now, Lord? He didn't even bother correcting them. <laughs> he just looked at them and says, it is not for you to know the dates or times the Father has set by his own authority. I've called you to go and to wait. So don't get caught up in the date rather than the promise. Sometimes we do that. We get so caught up in the date, we're like so concerned about it that we forget all about the promise. Because God rarely gives a promise with a date attached. Have you noticed that? That when he says, I'm going to do something, he doesn't say on January 12th at 2 o'clock. Rarely does that occur. And there are instances where the Lord will give you very specific and clear instructions, but it is not the norm. It is not always the way it's done. I think of uh, the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25, if you turn with me there. We're talking about remaining faithful. Matthew 25, verse 1, says, at, the time, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but not, did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. <laughs> and, all, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all the virgins woke up. And trim their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Your lamp, our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us. <laughs> and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others came also came lord lord they said open the door for us but he replied truly i tell you i don't know you therefore keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour isn't that true that we don't know the day or the hour that the lord is coming we don't know the day or the hour that the lord is going to come and answer his promises but i tell you in those times the ones who remain faithful will get to see the promise says so in the book. So when you find yourself waiting, don't act like a little kid and, and do something that you're going to regret. Don't go back to your old life. Remain faithful. Do what he has called you to do. Endure. Endure the hardship that's upon you. And God will come in his sovereignty at his time. And when he does, if you have been uh, faithful to him, faithful to do what he has called you to do, you are going to enjoy the blessing. You don't want to be like the ten virgins who were caught unprepared, unready at a time because they, they thought it would be immediate. 
And I can tell you for certainty that every disciple thought that in their time that Jesus was coming back, that, that he was going to come and settle his kingdom for the second time in their day. And they lived their lives like that. And we need to live our lives like that, being sold out that Jesus is coming in my lifetime. And when he comes, I want to be like the ten prepared virgins who have oil for my lamp, being found faithful to him, being ready for his coming. That's how I want to be found. How many of you want to be found faithful? That's how you need to live your life. Act as if it is already happening in those times of waiting and distress. And it's going to be hard. We all know that life is hard. The struggles are struggles. <laughs> that they're real and those things aren't fun to go through. Waiting for a physical healing while your body is aching is tough. It's tough. But in those times we can't give up. We've got to remain faithful. It's a must. Active, ready, faithful waiting. Which brings us to our last point. Our last point is worship. You see, worship takes your focus off the problem and puts it on God. Off yourself, off of your own troubles, off of how you feel, it puts those things on God when you worship. Worship is a weapon. I want you all to say that worship is a weapon. Let's try that again. Worship is a weapon. It is. Worship is a powerful weapon in your arsenal. It is a powerful weapon against the enemy. I want to read to you a, a scripture that I love, that, that just brings joy to my heart, that is a perfect picture of this in your own life. Worship is a weapon. In verse uh, 25, you want to throw that scripture up there for me? In Acts 16, verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. You see, Paul and Silas found themselves in a pretty hard place. They were in prison. They were in chains. They were in shackles. What did they do? Were they whining and complaining and saying, Why me? Why me? No. They chose to take their focus and put it on God. And they were singing <laughs> hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. They were doing this before, man, I bet you they were thinking, those guys are nuts. They're in chains. Their leader had died and gone up to heaven. I haven't seen them. And these two dudes choose to, <laughs> to sing to the Lord in their own, in, in, the, in the middle of the desert. But what happens? You know the story. While they were listening, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prisons were shaken. And all at once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains come loose. Woo! Everyone's chains come loose. And I'm here to tell you, when you choose to take your focus off yourself and put it on the Lord and praise and worship, chains fall off, folks. You are set free. You are set free. So when you're feeling desperate, when you're feeling like God is not there, but you remain faithful, you, you be still before him, you get the answer, and you worship the Lord, I tell you, your victory is on its way. Your victory is on its way because God is who he says he is. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. And for those who endure to the end will be saved, right? 
What were the disciples doing when that promise of the Holy Spirit, when Jesus gave them the promise of the Holy Spirit, what were they doing? They had gathered others with them. They were praying before the Lord and worshiping the Lord. And all of a sudden, that great rushing wind came in, and the, the Spirit of God descended upon them and filled them and anointed them for the work that Jesus had commissioned them to do. I find it sobering to think that the disciples were men just like you and me, flawed and perfect, individual people, flesh and blood. I think sometimes in our minds we make them out to be these great things that are not somewhat on the same level as us, but no, they were just like me and just like you. And they had a great calling on their life, so great, in fact, that they could not carry it out in their own power. That's why I like this, this song this morning. I was kind of sharing with Pastor Bobby about what I was going to be speaking on. He says, how about I need you? And I said, perfect, because that's so true. We desperately need the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when we find ourselves in a period of waiting, it's because we are not yet ready to do what God has called us to do. It is for our benefit, isn't it? Sometimes the waiting's for me because I'm too immature. I would, I would jump right out there and I would, I would do it the wrong way. We've got to wait for that promise. And we are found faithful when we are found worshiping the Lord. When we have grown our faith. That's important. We've got to grow our faith, this active faith, the believing that God is who he says he is. We've got to nurture that and to grow that. And, and if, we, if we have great faith that God can do great things through you, through the Holy Spirit, but yet not, it's not me. I stand before you just a man. I remember when, when I was praying and, and in, the, in the process of changing my life, many of you know that I was once a roofer. I say roof, not roof. I was a roofer, and uh, so I was doing this, and God had called me for something better, that although roofing is a great way to worship the Lord, and I'm not, not if you were called to be a roofer, roof with all your heart, bro, do it up, but God, that's not the, the answer that God has gave me. That was me trying to make something happen on my own, and, and when I finally relented, when I finally said, God, this life I feel stuck. God, I don't know what to do. God, why am I so unhappy? He says, because this is not what I've called you to do. You're doing a good thing that somebody else is called to do. You're taking roofs from somebody else in Lansing that I gave them. And I said, okay. And in that process, I was praying about what to do, where to go, and I had all these great ideas about being a senior pastor, about uh, going to work at a prison ministry, about taking over a biker church. I have never rode a motorcycle in my life. I was considering it. Lord, is this your will? God. And I remember uh, going out to lunch with my senior pastor, and uh, he sat down with me, and I was, I was sharing with him and processing through uh, with him. I said, you know, I have all these opportunities, all these things, uh, this church in Gaylord, or I could do this, or I could do that. And he looked at me, and he said something very profound that I want to share with you today. And it's if, if he, he looked at me dead in the eye and said, Pete, if you don't know, then don't go. If you don't know, then don't go. Wait for the promise. Wait for the wind. And I, he's going to come through. God's going to come through, and he's going to come through in your life. Bobby, if you want to come up at this time, I want to close this way. It's a beautiful day, and I know you're all looking to, to go enjoy it, I hope. Don't stay inside. Do something outside. But I want to close in this way, is if you walked into this room,
this morning and you just felt a stirring in your heart. You're like, I need something from the Lord. You didn't come here because it was a good idea. You came because you needed something. Like, I, I believe it could be one of two things. And it's interesting that, uh, that God chose to put this on my heart as I was praying about what to share. I believe some of you in here are waiting. I believe some of you in here are in a time of waiting, waiting for the Lord. And I want to encourage you this morning to find strength in knowing that God is with you and that if you endure, if you remain faithful, if you pray, if you put God first and choose to worship him above all else and put down the cares of this world, he's going to come through in your life. He's going to come through. And the other thing I want to encourage you is some of you may have come into this room today not even knowing why you're here. You're like, how did I end up here? But you know that as soon as you step foot on the property that there's a stirring in your heart that you felt like, you know what, I know I'm living a life that is, is not the life God has called me to live. I'm living a life apart from God. I'm living a life of sin. If you're in this room today, I want to let you know that God wants to take that as Pastor Ben preached last week, it turned back that clock and erased your past and give you a brand new start. If you all bow your head with me this morning, if that's you, if you feel that stirring in your heart, you're saying, man, if my heart were to quit beating today, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell. I don't have Jesus living in my heart, but I want to. I want to live for him. I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand if that's you. I'm just going to linger here a couple moments. I don't, want, I don't want you to miss out. Miss the answer that God had provided. That answer is Jesus. Jesus Christ, his son. He came, died on the cross for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. But he did it anyway because he loves you. If you want to accept this free gift, I want you to raise your hand. And I don't see any hands for service, and that's okay. But I believe some of you in here might be one of the ones you're saying, you know what, I've been waiting, waiting a long time, and I'm tired. Waiting a long time, and I'm feeling desperate. I need a touch from the Lord. If that's you today, I want you to just slip your hand up. I want to pray with you. I don't want to embarrass you. Yeah, there's hands up all over the room. Yeah. I believe the Lord put this message on my heart just for you just for you to encourage you to remain faithful, encourage you to remain strong. Let's all, just, let's all stand together. Dear Heavenly Father, we come, be, come before you today broken and desperate for you. We come to you with hearts today, like this morning, that cry out, God, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every day, every hour, God, I need you. Lord, I pray for those in this room who are feeling that, that feeling of desperation, God, that you would encourage them today. God, that you would flood them with your strength and your peace. God, that you would open their eyes to your provision and the hope that they have in you. 
God, I pray that you would reveal to them the next step, the next faithful step that they can take, Lord, to, to be faithful and to do what you have called them to do. And, Lord, I pray that you help them to go home today and lock themselves in a room. Take a few minutes before you to wait and to listen and worship. Lord, I pray that every soul in this room be set free this morning, God, that no one would leave here with the same gunk they brought in. That now in this moment that you would set them free. Thank you for what you're doing in this place and in our hearts. God, you are so good and we love you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So here's what we're going to do. In just a few moments, I'm going to dismiss you, and I want you guys to, to take a moment and to connect with somebody before you leave. I want you to shake somebody's hand and give them a hug and tell them you're glad to see them here at the Gateway Church. You know, be open to the, the Holy Spirit giving you an encouraging word for somebody. You never know how far an encouraging word can go. And I want you guys, as you leave, to to love on somebody. But today, my message, I meant to say this in the beginning, it was kind of following along with the, the connect groups that we're in. And leaders, if you go home and look, you'll see some of the, the framework to the message will be in the discussion for the second week. I hope you all will take a moment to, to watch the, the show tonight. And uh, if you have trouble finding a connect group, please contact me and Bobby this week. We would love love, love, <laughs> to find something that works for you. There, there's groups all over because the reality is, is we need one another, right? We do. We need one another. I need you. You need me. It's a sobering thought. But, uh, but it's true. You need to be plugged in. You need to be connected. Please don't attend this church and just come, serve your time Sunday morning and go home. I believe you're missing out on a great call on your life. Missing out on some great uh, answers to prayer. <laughs> As we said, sometimes the answers that God provides aren't the ones we expect. And I believe that for a lot of you, one of those answers is going to be found in the connect group through somebody loving on you. Because God wants to use you. He wants to use you. So go find a sign up. Go. So, so two things is going to connect, love one another. And then you're going to go out, and if you haven't signed up for a group, I just I can't encourage you enough to do that because we believe strongly that this is the Lord's will for your life. Amen? All right, no more plugging. Shameless plug. All right. Lord, I, uh, I pray over this group. God, I pray that you would just be with them and around them every day of the week, God, that, Lord, that you would walk with them, speak to them, guide them, and show up in their life. Lord, that you would love on them. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing, and I pray that you would just encourage them as they go throughout the week. And we thank you for all that you've done for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you guys to find somebody you don't know. Give them a high five, a handshake. If you need extra prayer, I would be glad to pray with you down here at the altar. The altar is always open. We anoint you with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. Um, if not, go in the grace of God and do something outside today. <laughs>